Welcome to the Strategy Mom Podcast, powered by Vichimus. Tune in for everything you need to know to stay in the know regarding the automotive industry. Here's your host, Jason Harris. Hey, 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 what's going on, Podcast Nation? Hey, thanks for joining me another episode of Strategy Mob. I am Jason Harris. Today, I have two very special guests from the other side of the border. I have Lori Foster and Joel St. John. Thank you for thank you so much for joining me today, guys. Thank you so much for having us, Jason. We appreciate it a whole lot. Great to be here. Thank you. Yeah, what up, Podcast Nation? What is up, man? What a good day to be on a podcast. It's a great day, great Monday to get started, right? Hey, uh, uh, Lori and jo- uh, Joe, for everyone out there that is listening right now and don't know kind of who you guys are and kind of how you got started in the business, if we can start with your origin story, that'd be a great place for us to kind of kick this off. I will go ahead and start with you, Lori, kind of how you got started in the business and what your background is. Well, wonderful, Jason. And thanks again for having us today, especially at a time like this when there are so many things right at the top of everyone's mind. I've been in automotive for 22 years now. Next month, I can't believe it. Um, and my origin story, I was that person selling cars 22 years ago as a single mom. A lot of you have heard the story already, but um, just, to, just to slingshot us forward for today's conversation, I made a commitment to myself very, very early in my career to be uh, very good at this business, not just be in this business, but to be great at this business. And so now 22 years later, I have a variety of experience, both in dealerships for 12 years um, on my own, five years in dealerships for AutoNation, the largest uh, retailer in the country, three years um, preaching the words from the the evangelism for cars.com in 120 cities a year for three years solid. Yes, I still have all the air miles, Jason, don't worry, because you can't spend it fast enough. But I think the thing that's most important that um, people who have met me or want to meet me, know about me, is number one, I care. Um, The talent comes behind that. I I know what I'm talking about. I know how to help. But the reason I can help people more than anything is because I care and people know it. So that's one thing that, um, that's the hallmark of what I do. Really excited to offer that level of care, especially right now as we're faced with such challenging times. But those of us who've been there and seen a few things before, we know that we will get through this together. And as Joe's gonna tell you in a second, my hashtag better together couldn't ever be more timely than right now. So thanks again for pulling us together and for this great audience that we have today. Thank you. Now we're, we're going to have a bunch of fun today. I know that for sure. All right, Joe, your turn. Let's, what is that origin story that is Joe? Yeah. So uh, once again, what up podcast nation? I'm so stoked to be here. Uh, so my story's a lot like Laurie's. Uh, I think we both started selling cars in 1998. I started on the showroom of a Toyota dealership in Tulsa, Oklahoma, worked my way through every channel and variable ops. So I was a general manager of a Toyota store. So my background is all on the variable ops side, selling cars, working the desk, running an F&I department, doing internet sales and uh, running the BDC. I've kind of worked through every channel over there. Um, my origins actually goes back further. My mom was a single mom who, uh, who helped me and our little family of her and I to survive by working as a service writer at a Chevy store. That's where she met my stepdad who was a finance manager. So I was the little kid selling like chocolate bars at the dealership um, who grew up playing on the showroom swore I was not going to do it long term. I ended up getting a master's degree in tax accounting, was going to go work for a tax firm. And uh, I ended up coming back to the dealer that I had sold cars for as a sales manager. So I kind of worked through everything in the car biz. Uh, It's in my blood. I can't shake it. I joined AutoFi almost four years ago uh, as the first car person on the team. So it was a couple of co-founders that came out of really eBay and PayPal and then Lending Club and they recruited me as kind of the glue to connect this idea of online lending and, and, and remote checkout to a framework that aligned with how dealerships actually operate because my expertise and specialty was operating dealerships. That's awesome. And guys, I'm so glad to have both of you here. I mean, uh, both both you guys have so much experience in this industry. And that's where I actually kind of want to start, right? It's kind of talking about our industry. Uh, look, I mean, 
things have changed. <laughs> it is what it is, right? I don't think anybody's going to disagree with us right now that our industry is going is going to change, not just immediately, but also just in the future. I'd like to start off by kind of asking you both of kind of what you see will be the new norm when we kind of get back to things. Uh, Joe, I'll go ahead and start with you. Yeah, so um, I feel like stuff's really gotten real uh, over the last few weeks, right? I mean, I am... Um taking calls from dealers that are friends of mine that I've known for a really long time. They're having to make really tough decisions for the good of their business. Taking phone calls from sales managers and salespeople and internet managers, and FNI managers who don't know what the next couple of days, much less next couple of weeks, couple of months look like. And it's hard. It's a really hard time right now. And I think that um, I keep going back to something my wife reminded me of before my webinar last week, which was that idea of, you know, it's like the serenity prayer, right? Like accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can and the wisdom to know the difference. And I think right now, what for me, it keeps coming down to is identifying very clearly the things that we're in control of and attacking those relentlessly. And I think that for the dealers that I'm working with, that we at AutoFire constantly in contact with, it's about identifying what you can control and executing whatever that is at the highest level possible and focusing all of your efforts very clearly on that. You know, for us, we see uh, it, it reflected in the metrics, a significant uptick in consumer behavior with online shopping for car dealers. I mean, I don't know, Jason, if you're seeing it or Lori, if you're seeing it, but we are seeing week over week, the amount of people interacting with our tool on a per oh, yeah, dealer it's, it's basis. Huge. We're seeing a lot. Yeah, it really ramping up. And what I think it's causing is, it, 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 you know, it's, it's, it's kind of um, causing dealers to engage in retail practices that are more normalized from a customer behavioral standpoint and how they buy everything else. And what I, you know, what I think is that there are some dealers that have a leg up, right? I mean, there are dealers that like Sanderson Ford, who's going to be on my, well, on my webinar uh, coming up this week, that they've been running TV ads and doing remote deliveries for over two years, right? I mean, it is shop from home, buy from home, we deliver. They have two F450s that they load cars on and we'll do free statewide delivery. The person that drives those cars is like a 25-year-old who's a notary public who can do all the paperwork and teach the, with a full delivery of how Bluetooth works for the customer. And so they have a leg up because they've already been executing that. What I think we're starting to see now is you know, in some of these hard hit states where the dealership doors are shut as a non-essential business is dealers that are finding that their website's still on, they're still getting leads in, and now they've got to figure out how to manage that revenue stream um, remotely. Doesn't mean that the revenue stream is what it was six months ago, right? Or what it was six weeks ago or really three weeks ago, but that there's still a, a, a stream of revenue there that we have to find a new way to connect with. And what we're seeing is that dealer behavior is shifting to an embracing of a way of selling that even four weeks ago felt incredibly foreign and they were incredibly skeptical of. And so what I think the lasting implication is, is that dealers that are adopting the right systems and processes due to this tragedy, like, tra like challenging situation we're in, the dealers that are adopting those systems and processes are really going to have a leg up as we move forward because I think consumer behavior is going to shift when it comes to buying cars. Oh, Whereas I'm totally with you on that, Joe. Uh, um, you know, but I think when it comes down to it, it's not only the uh, dealership's ability to execute that, which is going to be key, but it's the leaders within the dealership's ability to train, coach, and develop their team to do so. 100%. Now, now, Lori, this kind of leads into what I'd like you to kind of talk about here is, you know, from a leader's perspective, and, and that's what you work with on a regular basis, the leaders within the business. All right, from a leader's perspective, you know, how do they need to prepare themselves for what the new norm is going to look like? Yeah, so um, Jason, at the risk of um, sprinkling a little cool water on Joe's enthusiasm and Joe and I mirror each other's enthusiasm, I, I, I want to throw a cautionary note out there. For the 5% of dealers right now that have had this under control for a while, like um, Joe's example, we have easily 
5% that are absolutely in total denial that the interwebs even exist. And then we have, we have these people on the edges that have tiptoed. And so here's my concern, Jason and Joe, is that even as some people are leaning in, they're belly flopping, okay? They, they don't have a precision-like dive in mind. And so they really need to stop everything. Um, my LinkedIn posts the last few days have been slow down don't make any knee-jerk uh, reactions and decisions right now. Get your leaders on board. And the, um, the situation, from my perspective, uh, for all of the people that I'm talking with, is that we haven't really, um, I don't even want to say flex those muscles. We haven't built those muscles inside the store, inside our minds at the dealership level to be ready for this. And so we've always done this by muscle and by by sheer grit like we can overcome anything we can power through it we can work bell to bell and then some and right now this is not about the force of muscles this is about the mind so this is a 100 mind game and we'll use the other words later because right now it really is going to screw with people's minds right so right now like so so you're right jason i work with leaders every day and I have the balanced approach of I'm working simultaneously with as many automotive retail leaders as I'm dealing with. I'm also dealing with companies like the company Joe works for, like companies like that, the vendors, because the vendors right now aren't in that much different of a space. Um, they are doing the same things, knee-jerk reaction. I work a lot with them on retention. And this model that we're facing isn't the typical model that we're in. Oh, just hold on to your clients. Like right now your clients are in crisis mode. So, so to tap the brakes here for myself here to get some clarity for everyone, right now it's okay to say, this is a crisis unlike any we've ever seen. Even if you've survived the economic downturn of 2008 to 10, even if you survived the dot-com bursts in 2001, like I did, even if you survived the 9123 crises, right? So right now, this is truly a unique crisis. However, that being said, we've been giving dealers and vendors the opportunity to learn more. We've been giving them the opportunity to lean towards this so I think the new normal is going to be um, more quickly embracing it. But I, I grabbed this rubber band. What we don't want to see, though, is we quick run out and we do this. But then immediately, as soon as things are over, we retract to what we knew before. This will not, unlike other things, this will not be business as usual on the other side of this crisis. So uh, Joe and I are completely aligned with that. For those who want to think it will be business as usual on the other side, their erosion, as I call it, um, towards, you know, like here are the way things are going and here's what's happening now and, and take, you know, start bridging towards this. This won't be a a slow drop off of dealers on the other side that aren't embracing this. It will be a cataclysmic fall from grace. It will be because right now we have to think right now, the relationship that you're building right now with your customers and your teams, your employees is more critical now than ever. And you've got one shot right now to keep that reputation that you've maybe worked hard to build or maybe not as hard as you should have. But right now people will remember how you acted and reacted in this time. So when I say it's time to slow down, yep. pull in people like myself or others, Jason, it couldn't be more important. This will be, this can be a huge opportunity for people. This will have disastrous results for far more than we'd like to think about. But you know what though, and I hate to say this, but it is what it is. I'm actually okay with that. <laughs> like, like I'm, I'm actually okay with the fact that, you know, during this time, you know, there are going to be some dealerships that are not going to come out of this, you know, for the better. And, and, and I think it's actually, it's totally cool. I, we actually saw the same thing happen during the recession, you know, coming out no, of the recession. I would, I, at the risk of saying, I, I don't want to say I disagree with you. This is your show, but, but I, I don't disagree I, with but, me as much as you want. <laughs> but I, but the, but the thing is, Jason, there are people that work there. And so I would like their, um, I'm not cool with that. I think that there are people that have, um, they have good intentions. I get a lump in my throat when I talk about this stuff. They have or had good intentions. And I think they're just off the track because they have this cocoon around them. They have their country club. They have their second home. They have their boat. They're like, the dealer life is okay-ish. Well, I mean, Lori, they're, they're disconnected they from their operations. 
Totally. I mean, I, I hate so, to say it, but you know, I yeah. mean, I, I talked to a, dinsa, a dealer principal, you know, uh, last week who has been in Mexico for the last three months. Yeah. And, and he has he has absolutely no clue what's going on at the dealership and and as far as what the team is going through and what the managers are having to deal with. I mean, he's just totally disconnected. So now I hear what you're saying. I do think that there are some people that that have good intentions and they they, they it will be there'll be a struggle for them. But I think there's some out there that are just so disconnected from their operations that they won't come out of this. And I'm actually okay with them not coming out of this if they're that disconnected from their operations. So, so I on that, yeah, totally. So yeah. I, I actually where I think um maybe I, I I have a little bit of a different viewpoint is I, I think that right now is the time as a dealer, once you put good thought into it, this is the time to take action. Right. I read a, a, a an article this weekend that was shared me with me from John Shank and our team on on John Chambers from Cisco talking about the crises that they went through there. And one of the things that he said that just really stuck out to me was make decisions now on who you want to be 12 to 18 months. Not what anybody else is telling you to do, but who you want to be 12 to 18 months from now. You need to be making decisions on that right now and you need to be taking action. I think that for me, what this new normal that we're in is really signifying is the importance of, of true focus on what you can control and taking strong action to address that in a way that is going to get you to where you hope you're going to go. And, and for me, I well, think let's that talk that's... a little bit about what those strong actions are real quick, because I'm with you on that, Joe. Like, I mean, I think this is the time for strong actions. And I think there's two different types of actions that we have to take. We have to take actions with our staff and there are actions that we have to take with our community of customers that have supported us and allows us to continue to do business through the transactions that they choose to do with us. <laughs> They're not forced to do business with us. They're choosing to do so. So let's first start with this. I want to get your guys' thoughts on the staff and, you know, what does that look like? How do, how do we kind of handle that staff of, you know, from, you know, the now and helping bring them into whatever this new norm is going to look like. Lori, um, I'll, I'll start with you on this one. So uh, the fact that we have a retention issue internally at dealerships is not a mystery to anyone. Even some of the best dealerships, and some of it's the fluidity of some of the earlier salespeople, but still it's, um, it's truly a situation that bears repeating right now and addressing now more than ever before. Um, so you have to think about like that staff and you need to reimagine what that staff looks like to you. To far too many dealers, they've been way okay with that churn through their staff and not realizing that intersection, like you just said, it's not just the staff, it's the community. Um, but, but Jason, I would pose that the staff is the community and the community is the staff because we still have a CSI problem when we don't lie about the numbers, when we're not gaming the system. We still have a CSI problem that exists to this day and a an enormous contributor to that is the fact that we do not have legacy employees any longer. We don't we don't merit the the Joe St. John who stuck around for 22 years and said what a you know what an um, asset he is to the community. Him, you know, the, so these people um, we have not valued the staff. So I would say, first of all, as regarding the staff, A, you have to hold the staff that you have close and dear, and you need to let them know. And it's even time to be honest if you haven't held them as close and dear. They're scared, and it's time that you communicate clearly with them. The other side of that, um, as Joe was even saying, 12 to 18 months from now, what do you want? Think about this. If you don't hold that staff close and dear right now, you're going to continue your, your lather and repeat with these people. How will you answer the question 12 months or even five years from now when you are looking at a, a good candidate to come into your organization, when they ask you the question, how did you handle your team during COVID-19? How I did think, you I think that's an amazing point, Lori. And I think a lot of us need to be thinking about that. I mean, I don't know about you guys. I mean, I, I've been talking to a lot of dealers right now. And um, I'm going to say it's split 50-50 right now. Out of, I'm thinking of all the dealers I've talked to. 50% uh, of them have a plan and a strategy to uh, deal with their staff and their community of customers. And the other 50%, I just... 
They can't even see past an hour, let yeah. alone past anything else. Joe, what's what's your thoughts on this? Yeah, man. So, you know, I got a, a ton of empathy for how hard this is, right? I mean, the dealers I talk to are the people I care about. I care about the people in their dealership. I mean, hell, some of the dealers I'm talking to, I've trained their salespeople, their sales managers, their GM, their you know, their finance manager. I, I've spent a ton of time with them. By the way, Jason, is my screen, is my video lagging really bad for you? Um, no, it looks pretty good on this side. All right, cool. It's like lagging over on my side, so it's it's weirding me out. So I kept like turning it off and turning it back on. But anyways, like the dealers that I'm talking to, it, I, I have like it's it's this kind of gut wrenching feeling because they're having to make tough decisions, right? And they're having to make tough decisions based on the financial position their dealership was in when all of this started, right? I talked to a dealer the other day. It's like, dude, we got a massive war chest. We play things very tight. You know, we are we are going to while other people's are you know other dealers are trying to figure out what to do and scrambling. Like our team is going to remain focused. We are going to keep our eye on the ball and we're going to control the things that we can control. We're going to focus really heavily on shifting the mindset from setting appointments to the mindset of selling cars remotely. And who knows, even in a month or two, we may be buying more dealerships, right? Like we are, that's who we are. There's some dealers I talk to that are like, I don't know how I'm going to make payroll in three weeks, right? And I think that there so is that, a- that's a good point. I mean, like, how do we communicate- you know, to that staff that, I mean, I, I've been talking also to a lot of staff mm -hmm. members lately and they aren't getting confidence from a lot of their dealerships. Like they, <laughs> they don't have no idea that if they're going to come back and have a job, they don't know if they're going to come back and there's going to be a dealership. They don't, I mean, they're, they're salespeople or, or staff, not just salespeople, but staff in general asking these questions. And I don't feel like we're doing a great job of answering those. Well, that's, that's where the leadership comes in, right? Like Lori, it's like what you talk about all the time being an honest communicator as a leader and letting people know what's happening and where you're going. I think sometimes leaders get so focused on doing that they stop focusing on communicating. And what you have is, I've talked to dealers who are giving me that message of having a war chest and like, bring it on, we got this. But none of their people have any idea. <laughs> so their people are right. all like, oh my God, they're gonna close the dealership down. What's gonna happen? And I think that that comes back to people like, you know, like Lori, who can influence those leaders to actually, I mean, I read that article that I think it was uh, Fleming posted in LinkedIn last week, where it was all about in times of crisis, how that's when real leadership floats to the surface. And that's when it really shows. I don't know if you guys watched the video of the CEO of Marriott. Um, uh, oh, uh, just oh. It, was, it was great. Yeah. It was wonderful. Yeah. And that's, that's to me where like, you know, when some of the GMs I talk to have that tone, right? It's like, look, man, we know these are challenges. We are going to bite down on the mouthpiece. We're going to run out in that ring and we're going to swing like hell. And we're in a good position. We've got great people. We don't want to lose them. We see the stimulus bill coming down the path here in the U.S. We see these things and we're going to hold tight to what we're doing. We're going to brace for impact and we're going to control the things that we can control. And I talked to, to Mike Law from LaFontaine last week. And that was, I mean, he was like, you know, he didn't sound like, man, I got this. This is all, this is, it's no big, it wasn't bluster. It wasn't like that boastful bragging. It was more like, Hey, look, we know this is going to be hard. We're gritting our teeth. We've got the right systems and processes in place. You know, at our dealership, we've been working on this, this remote sale for a while. We're going to figure this out. We're going to take it one day at a time. And we're not going to like, we're not going to let the fear of what's the, uh, you know, the fear of the unknown cripple our ability to execute. And for me, that's the inspirational moments. And that's where, on these webinars, these podcasts where we're talking, that's where I hope that we can spread that throughout the, the business and inspire GMs and dealers that are sitting in their office, maybe listen to this on their like elliptical before they go to the office to go, okay, I need to get my troops together in a room and I need to let everybody know that we've got this, that we have a plan, that we have a, a, a focus and that we don't know what tomorrow may brings, but we know what we can control going into tomorrow. And we've put a right foundation in place and we're gonna get it, after it. Sounds, it sounds like, Joe, that you're talking about like dealer principals, general managers need to be hosting a state of the union. I mean, Lori, I imagine you have probably trained many, leader, many leaders over the years on how to actually handle and develop a state of the union, all right? What kind of advice can you give to dealerships out there that are in that position where they need to communicate to their staff on a regular basis as far as what's going on and what the next steps are going to be? 
Sure, Jason, earlier you said, what strong actions do you recommend? These are the first. These are the first strong actions is to, first of all, like there's always the leader or leaders of the organization that are the, we'll call them the owners. And then there are the soldiers and the soldiers even include most, most of the time the general manager because he's reacting to what they say. But it is, it is so important that right now before anything, they get together and they agree on their approach. And that means when we walk out of this room, we are all perfectly clear, we're all aware of any threats that are going on, any opportunities that we have available. Um, we are in agreement and we're gonna whiteboard this out and we're gonna sign off that these are our agreements. This is what we're going to do. And we're and, and a cadence also, Jason, for how frequently they're going to meet. And initially, it might mean daily or twice a day until we, we've got it down. But, but those agreements, if those do not happen, then we're just shooting and pointing and all the way through to the other side of it. And it's hope is not gonna be that strategy. So, so first of all, leaders must be aware and aligned and equally informed because sometimes the dealer makes a decision and, and the, um, the GM is even getting wagged around like they don't even know. So you must have that entire team, first of all, bolstered and encouraged, um, but tell them the truth then there must be very clear cadence on how we're going to tell the team and it must be thoughtful it must be three-pronged it must be a universal um, um uh, a document that everybody gets can print because all of these people have families please don't forget this no matter what's happening no, they i'm all so glad you said that because it's a great point right i mean it, it's not just informing just the staff members but i mean their families 100%. also want to know that's a huge point i didn't mean to interrupt you there i just i think that's no. so insanely important i just wanted to stop there for one second also think about this too. If I tell you, hey, Jason, I'm gonna show up um, next Tuesday. We're gonna do another one of these. Or if I send you an email confirming, yes, I'm looking forward to it, I'm gonna be there. Like, so anytime that there's a documentation of what's happening, there's always more validity to it for the, for the, um, for the listener and for their families around there. Second is the in-person meeting as a group. So, and so that documentation is prepared in advance. Then there's the group meeting which everyone has plenty of notice that we're going to get together. And then it's the one-on-one -on -one meetings. So that is critical. Then the loop comes in where the leaders are required to report back up together what's happening and the pulse, uh, you know, right, your finger on the pulse of what's happening with the people. Because otherwise, each and every one of these pieces just crumbles. It's just a thing, a little splotch that happened on the wall of time. And we don't know what, what the reaction really was. And we don't know if we've really hit our mark and have clear understanding. And then it is proof points. In order to have confidence with this, there must be evidence every day. Once this is all communicated to the teams, there must be evidence daily that you're following the plan that you said you were going to follow so that those people that are, um, that are employed by you, that they know what's happening and that they are reassured daily because they see you acting those strong actions every single day. So that's where, that's where I would start. The leaders get together, we communicate with a three-pronged approach, and then we have the loop of communication coming back through and back up, and then we're revisiting it. Um, maybe starting in a month or two, um, dealerships could dial down to meetings every two or three days, but it's going to be that long before. I, I agree with you. I, th I think a daily, a daily yes. state of the union needs to happen. I'm, I'm totally every day. And, and Joe, to your point, you, you were talking a little earlier before we started this, we were talking about the zoom webinar function, right? Like, like how easy yep. would it be to use that zoom webinar function right now? Right. So that you don't have, you know, 35 people communicating all trying to communicate once, but then you can actually host those documents that Lurie, you were talking about that need to be created. Right. This can be this daily presentation to the staff and, you know, then they have a copy of whatever that presentation was so that if they, if they want to show their family members, they can do so. So, so at Autofy, we've got over 100 employees, right? And we meet via Zoom as a company on a regular cadence. Right now, we have a Friday all-hands call where we all get together and each department kind of walks through what they've been doing. And then the, on like every Tuesday and Thursday, we have a company-wide water cooler hour where we all hop on Zoom together and just hang out. And we talk about life and we get some of those human connection moments that we're all missing right now. 
So for us, I think that, there, that there's technology available, even if you were going fully remote, that allow you the ability to build some level of connection with humans that you work with. And I think that's a missing part that we all got to get to. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, that's a great point. And make no mistake that these things that we're seeing happening in the dealership world, the, you know, we, we're, we're really focusing on automotive retail today, but the people who serve automotive retail, uh, they're in very similar situations. And these two entities are knitted so closely together. The dealerships cannot survive because we're talking about the staffs and the communities, but there's also a community of partners to these dealers. And right now, it's going to take all of us doing everything we can because we cannot destroy these relationships, um, these partners that bring the customers to you, these partners that deliver supplies to you or deliver software to you. So it's real important as the dealership entities that those partners are on the table also because those are real people with real solutions that you brought in to help build your business. And now lean on those partners for help, but don't just grind them to reduce their prices for you right now, right? Then that, that, I, I wrote about oh, this the other day. Man. Oh, then they're that worst customer. You, you become that customer that you hate in your showroom. Don't be that guy or gal. Don't be that. So like, one of the things that yes. we've done is we've really doubled down on the level of support that we're providing dealers right now because how rapidly some of these dealers are making some of these changes, where our entire dealer success team is at home in front of a computer all day, every day, in a Zoom like this with dealers, working with their teams, with their BDC, with the remote people that are in different locations, all on like what we're doing right here, where they're literally sharing a screen, they're sharing their face, they're, they're building some of that connective tissue, and they're helping dealers during this transition. Well, yeah. I think that's and, what we're going to have to do, you know, for us to kind of survive. But I, I agree with you. I don't think uh, necessarily just throwing out a 50% discount is the answer. I think additional support, however they need, is the answer. I mean, you know, uh, we, we, you know, me and Lori, we, we've talked about this before. Um, you know, a lot of people assume that I'm a consultant, yet I've never once charged a consulting fee. Um, I run a marketing agency, you know, but as a value add-on, I've just always helped and consulted on operations and 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 marketing efforts right bdc efforts so yeah but i i think you're right i mean joe to your point like we need to kind of you know step up our support to our to the dealers now with that said um now that kind of covers kind of how we need to communicate mm -hmm. to our staff i do want to kind of go back and talk about what is the communication look like uh to our community of customers and yes. i do use the word community i don't want to just use the word customers because i really want dealerships to embrace the fact that this is a community and without that community your business doesn't exist so I've seen, like, I've seen a mixed bag. I don't know about you guys, but I've seen where dealerships just gone dark. Like they're, they're yeah, not saying like, anything, right? And then I've seen some that are attempting to communicate. And it's just kind of all over the place. Joe, I'm going to start with you on this one. Yeah. Um, what do you think best practices are how we so, should be, as a dealership, should be communicating to their community mm -hmm. of customers? So I think this is where we have to get really tactical, Right, and let's like kind of break down into the granulars here. I think the worst thing a dealership can do right now is to effectively put up closed on their websites. I've seen dealers that literally like hours closed when really you have a team of people that you're still paying to be able to interact and help those consumers. I think the dealers that I see that are having the most successful traction is dealers that are clearly stating what their policies and procedures are during this challenging time. They're laying it out in all of their marketing messaging that they have an approach to help a consumer, whatever those needs look like. And where I'm seeing it really effective is people like Bill Knight, who have now mobile service trucks, and they're putting those out in the marketplace to, to do service work on first responder vehicles, on the community vehicles that they service within the police, the law enforcement, the, um, the first responders, the fire departments, everywhere they are doing things that they can outreach out there into the community to be of service to people that need it. We're also seeing dealers that are running television ads. They're spending money on YouTube pre-rolls to put together messaging saying, listen, if your lease is up, if you work for the water company and your job is very secure, right now is actually a great time to take advantage of the incentives coming from the OEM. There's 0% for 84 months. If you want to trade in your F-150, guess what? You can do that all remotely now. 
we're seeing a lot of our dealers really put the messaging out there in the marketplace of what's actually available for them to be able to, to support their community's needs for transportation. The other thing that I think is a critical component that most people don't think about is if you think about our auto responders and our CRM systems, mm -hmm. the 180 days worth of follow-up that's pre-programmed into these drip campaigns, right? That follow-up is almost always geared towards setting an appointment to come into the dealership. We hear a lot of dealers being like, we have killed our auto responders until further notice. We've put in a couple of like really good messages about what our policies are for vehicle sanitation, what our policies are for remote sales, for remote service, how we can pick up your vehicle and bring it in. You can literally leave the keys in it in the driveway. We'll text you when we get close. We'll sanitize it when we drop it off to we can send a, a truck to your house to do an oil change in your driveway. Like shutting off all of that that noise about coming into a dealership because how horrible would it be like how like cognitive dissonance of hey we've got all of these policies you don't need to come into our dealership followed the next day by come on into our dealership so i think that that's one of the things that is something that if you're not doing as a dealer like you should immediately kind of 86 that that showroom appointment setting and i think that gets back to what laurie said right which is it's a mindset shift and the mindset shift that dealers are grappling with right now is everything we've been taught for 50 years has been about setting appointments to get that customer into our dealership. Well, we live in a world right now where customers do not want to come into your dealership. Their governments are telling them not to. They're saying going into a public space makes you a bad citizen, stay home. So in that world, we have to shift our mindset to how can we service that client's needs in a way that is similar to help them with their transportation without us ever meeting human to human. And I, dealers are getting creative. I'm seeing F&I managers using Zoom to do the F&I process for a customer that's at home. I'm seeing service advisors who are like doing Zoom and walking out to a car to show or doing Google Hangouts or FaceTime to walk out to a car and show a customer that they picked up at the customer's house what's going on with that car so that they can get it fixed. And I think that what we have to do is focus on these like connective technologies that will allow us to be able to continue to service the transportation needs of our clients in our community. I think that's sorry. That's I think that's what's key right now is is that process. Like we we haven't done an overly good job of communicating that process. Um, I think in some cases about what we've done so far is communicated the fact that we're closed or we're open. <laughs> If that, yeah. right? But it's like, like, exactly. Like, but how do we communicate that? It's, it's, we got to communicate what does it look like for the consumer? Now, Lori, from, from a leader's perspective, that means I have to craft out this process. And, you know, between me and you, a lot of the leaders that I have met with never really got formal training when it comes to process development. You know, they would, they, they were, the oldest salesperson that moved into a sales manager position and they were the oldest sales manager that just eventually became kind of the general manager by time, you know? So I think there are legitimately, and I'm not saying this is a bad thing. I'm just saying legitimately, I think there are some leaders out there that don't necessarily even know what to do to craft out this process. What advice would you give them? This is where the, the gap in the capabilities of our leaders really, um, is exposed because we typically, unfortunately, do not have business people running our organizations. And we've called them from the sales herd and not the service herd. Had we gone into the back, we would have people with more precision, with more specific training, with, out -base, with um, outcome based training constantly instead of just muscle um, to get through the month again. And I use those words a lot because I think it's important for us to think about that. Like we just want to power through things and just, whew, we close out the month. Oh, it's not going. And so I think it's really good to have those word pictures in your head because visualizing like, is that really a way to run a multi-million dollar a month enterprise? So I would go to uh, back to the leadership side. It's always about people and communication, right? So when we're thinking about this also, like how do we express this to the community? So um, Google, uh, I'm going to uh, throw a, a few fun little facts in. Um, anybody can go on here and find the training that I took from Google. But they do this thing called See, Think, Do, Care. 
And right now you're in a care component because your customers in the community right now, they need your care. Um, or they're going to see your lack of care. There's the, the bright side of that and the dark side of that. So what they need to see is the extreme amount of care that you're offering up right now. That even means things like blocking and tackling, like your inbound, your phone. If I call the dealership, what is it that I'm going to hear? I was on the phone with, and um, unlike um, some of you, you, you two, you can disclose your clients and that's okay. I cannot um, because I am a consultant. So I don't disclose names, but um, hey, and now we've got the kid in the background. Yay. <laughs> it was it was time for that. <laughs> it was bound to happen. It was totally bound As to happen. As if on cue, that's <laughs> great. Awesome. But so the most important things are that you quickly did say, where are all the points that customers might be trying to reach us? And we make sure we have our messaging for them dialed in. So this means the first thing is, cover the phones. Um, the second thing is signage, literally signage everywhere. The next thing is emails to the entire customer base. Good God, you do a great job of peppering them with emails about every Memorial Day sale. I would think this is a great time to send them a message. But like, but I would express to them back to your plan and what's going on. If you're going to be closed for X amount of days. Um, oh, and Joe brought up a great point that another... Um, a vendor was talking to me about earlier, uh, lease maturity are happening, are happening. They're getting calls from the OEMs and then they show up at the dealer and no one's there. And then they're like, I'm going to get charged. That happened before. So like nightmares are happening in their head. So we have to um, exercise that care component, like beautifully, magnificently, like just do it. So you'll be so proud of it. You can't possibly overdo that. The next thing I would offer is a friend of mine wrote a book, a friend. I say that because I, I consider him my friend, Matt Dixon, and it's called The Effortless Experience. And so right now, what you don't want to do is take a situation wrought with uh, frustration and confusion right now for your customers and add anything by your failure to prepare. So when he talks about the effortless experience, he doesn't say blow your customers away with, you know, rose petals. He says, don't make their situation worse for them reaching out to you, right? So if they reach out to you and they have a question, make sure that there's somebody there to handle it or that there's a process in place. So he does this with, um, I'm trying to see if it's right here. Um, it's a great book, um, but um, he, he does this with diagrams and charts. I will just say this, if a customer contacts you, you don't want anything to detour them and send them off-roading. They were on a 70 mile an hour information highway coming to you just for basic questions. Don't send them down a ditch left to, you know, pull themselves out. Like give them the information they need, even if it's prescriptive um, voicemails uh, or your, your phone, your phone, um, your, your, what am I trying to say? The answering service that you have, like, this is exactly what's happening. Um, to hear more about lease maturity, click one. To hear more about our service hours during this time. And you want to change all of the words. Don't assume that these messages are right. And then you also want to make sure that's like outward facing. You want to make sure your team is ready to any team that's in place is ready to answer those questions. Uh, another call earlier today, um, they actually still had staff on, even though they were completely close to the public. And they, they were answering the calls like this. Hi, I need to talk to sales. Sales is closed until April 30th. Oh gosh, that just I, I can't make this ever. stuff up, guys. I can't <laughs> make it up. And so instead of, but you know what? Shame on the dealership because they didn't do that basic blocking and tackling and saying, hey, Lori, here's what you need to say. We understand. So here's what we can do. And then we were going through um, an entire set of actions that the leaders could take to. We can take deposits. We can take your trade and park it on the lot so it doesn't lose any additional value right now. We can put you into a rental car. We can get your car in for service. You know, tell them what you can do, not what you can't do. But um, this comes down to care for the people inside and outside your organization. So those would be my initial recommendations for leaders, uh, Jason, just to just as basic, you have to do these things. We can have 
deeper discussions later, but those are essential. So, so, so this is what I think is crazy, right? And this is something that I think that we all should be helping dealers with. There's a lot of dealers that don't even fully understand their own capabilities right now, no. right? I mean, point. there are dealers that implemented digital retail in their internet department with nobody on the sales desk and none of the salespeople knowing about it, which for me, I feel like is one of the big mistakes we've made over the last couple of years, not as Autofy, but as an industry, right? Where they don't even realize that a customer at home can get a real-time credit decision from a network of lenders that's real, that's a firm offer of credit, choose the one that they want, do everything remotely, and have a real car deal. And I think that like failing to let customers know that that PayPal, like that type of experience is available. And, and, and kind of clinging to that idea, like Lori said earlier, of like, well, you got to come into the dealership. This is the way we've always done it. If we at the dealership level don't understand that that's not true anymore, that you don't have to come into the dealership to buy that car, then we're not alerting our customers that that's not true anymore, that you don't have to come into the dealership to buy the car. Now, Jason, I know in Canada, there are some areas where you can't sign paperwork at a customer's house. Well, they've, right? actually, are... changed, they've actually changed a few things. So yeah, and to, I... do, to, do, to make things quicker, um, now this can be based on province, but right now in mm -hmm. Ontario, they have opened up the opportunity for us to remotely get signatures on documentations. But yeah, for, for a while there, it was actually an issue. You So that's it. what I wanted to bring up is how cool is that? That the governments of Canadian provinces and American states are moving rapidly. I just heard New Jersey just now named uh, automotive retail sales as a uh, as a essential business for right. remote deliveries, right? So you're seeing like that this is transportation we're talking about here. This is people having the ability to get themselves to where they need to go. And it's cool to see, you know, governments like in Ontario changing course in this time of need to be able to allow things to happen in a way that is actually opening up the experience to be better for consumers. And, there, and there's an interesting play happening here right now. And Joe, I'd love to talk offline about your numbers. Every single person that I'm talking to is saying that their traffic, while it's off a little tiny bit, perhaps, in some arenas, some it's actually up. And the richness of that traffic, the payoff, is exponentially higher than normal. Because the people who are calling, they, like they're aware that there's the chance that you're not open. And they're calling, they're actually hoping you're open. They're hoping they're not stuck with their car any longer. They're hoping they can get to some help. And so right now, our dealers have an incredible opportunity mm -hmm. to meet totally them where they are. But the first hundred percent. Yeah, it's not how soon can you come in? Here's the first thing that I would write, have every single person out there write down is the first thing that you say to any customer right now is not, how can I help you? It's which department or, oh, you want what car you're looking at? It's how are you and your people doing right now? That's it. Amen. I, I think that's absolutely, that, and that's what I think, you know, when it comes down to this, it seems like the overall theme here is just, it comes down to communication. Yeah. It's like, we got to over communicate, communicate the crap out of what our processes are right now, um, what what the direction of the business is. And, and this is over communication with our staff. This is over communication with our customers. Like th there should not be a question that hasn't been answered. And, you know, uh, I think it was Joe, you were talking about that or what maybe it was or the 70 mile per hour search where they're just, they're just like, I gotta go. I'm like, I'm looking for the answer. 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 And it's like, we can't have this, you know, call the dealership for details crap <laughs> like that, that's not gonna yeah. fly anymore right like you know see dealer for details well no one's gonna see a dealer for details you know so it's like we the, have to over communicate the crap out of this the data wow. to me is mind-blowing yeah. right like when you look at engagement matrix like you look at autofy and you see the engagement level on a per dealer basis we're up every week over the week before i mean our our our, our leading indicators is not that consumers are, I mean, consumers are probably not going to buy as many cars this year as they did last year. I think we can all safe to agree that like, I don't want to paint this as like, oh, it's going to, no, like this is going to be a hard year. 
But I got a text message from a dealer a couple of days ago that delivered seven of eight vehicles offsite the day before. And the eighth vehicle, they did curb, curbside pickup, right? Like literally the customer came in, dropped off their car. That car was waiting. Everything was out there and they like waved from the front window, right? Like customers still need transportation and like the technology exists to be able to have a meaningful sale with a customer that's not sitting right in front of me. For me, the I had this light bulb moment and it wasn't a light bulb moment for anybody at my company. It was for me, right? My job, like Lori's, like yours, Jason's, like I get paid to buy AutoFi to go around and speak to rooms full of people. It's what I do. I, you know, I, I'm the NADA guest instructor on digital retail, right? I was on the live stage at the convention. I keynote spoke the Hyundai dealer meeting, right? Like I'm, I get, like my job is to go get in front of a bunch of people and I'm really comfortable there. I can read their faces. I can see them smile. I can get that person to like join in, right? I can like see this one's over here is kind of sleep. Like I'm so comfy there. I'm not really comfy in a webinar. I'm not really comfy on video. And I had this moment when I was really? at- Really? Because uh, you, you would have, uh, yeah, you would have- Bro, uh, like it has taken me- like, <laughs> I, I would be surprised it, you even say that. I'm not comfortable. I pace around my house, <laughs> feel like I'm going to throw up before I do these. Like I just, is not, I can see myself. Like I get really insecure and self-conscious. And I was talking to a group of salespeople at Bill Knight Lincoln who were like, you know, I just, these webinars with customers, like, oh, and I, and I realized like they're going through the same kind of like gut reaction of my new world is that the next two or three months, there are no conferences happening, right? Like it's all moving remote and virtual. And so I have this empathy for like their, their cheese has been moved just like my cheese got moved. And what I think we can all do, like as a community, is help them to realize that they can do it, that it's real and they can actually do it. And that there are customers that want to find a car and it may not I, be the I, way that yeah, made them feel agree good. With you. In fact, actually, that segue that segues perfectly into my next question, which um, actually looks like it'll be my last question for you guys. Uh, with everything that's going on right now, there is opportunity. There's opportunity with our staff. There's opportunity with our community of customers. I want to hear from both of you guys as far as kind of what your thoughts and opinions are of maybe what two or three opportunities exist right now that dealerships can take action on. Lori, I'll go ahead and start with you. Uh, boy, that's just, that's so loaded. Um, but it's great. It's great. I got I know, I'm, this. I'm going to make you choose a couple. So that's okay. So the, the thing I want you to think about as I say these things are there are stories that are going to happen in this time of COVID-19 that are, we like, it's like, where were you, you know, when JFK was shot, right? Like this is an era and this has no political boundaries. This has no favor for race or gender. We're all here, right? So there are stories that are happening. And I want you to think about, first of all, what do you want that legacy to look like? And then I want you to think about for your employees and your customers, what are those stories that they're going through that are going to have value, not just now, but also down the road a bit? Like those people that are buying cars from you right now, I would absolutely be gathering all of them up. And I bought a car during Corona. I bought a car. <laughs> hey, I bought a Corolla during Corona. I don't know. <laughs> but like, but, but think about like the power of these stories, but because that shows the indomitable human spirit and who we are as Americans. We love our cars. Uh, we don't want to be told what to do. We, we're, we're, we're going and we're doing these things. So strategically, I would say step back as leaders. I'm always going to go back to leaders. As leaders, step back, view the landscape, not in this very nar narrow time window, but view it uh, with the purview of from now until two years from now. What do I want this to feel like and look like for my people? Yes, there are decisions that you ne that need to be made in the moment, but there will still be more that impact hours and days and weeks and months. So slow down. I'll say that's like the fourth time I've said it, but I, I can't possibly overemphasize that. Slow down, take a breath, ask yourself, are we going to be okay or not? And if you think you're not, that's an okay message to communicate to, but, but communicate it and make sure that your people understand where you're coming from and that's your people all the way through. And the next thing would be this, is it's okay to be honest and it's okay to say, this is exactly where we are and it's okay to admit past mistakes or shortcomings. And it's okay to say, 
we're going to whiteboard this. We're going to wash it all down. And it's okay to get community, the community of people, your customers and your employees to contribute to you in ways that maybe before and your vendor partners that you didn't really receive maybe as well as you should have before, a drop of humility would go a long way right now in coming up with solutions because your customers, your employees, and your vendor partners all have a lot to contribute, but you've been busy, maybe too busy, to stop and really get the full value from all of them. And when they can contribute to you, all of a sudden you have this beautiful thing, maybe a new thing growing and developing. Maybe it's it grows beyond your wildest imagination, or maybe it isn't even that crazy that it grows beyond your wildest imagination, but maybe you can survive this. Thriving, I always say it's a funny visual, but back in the economic downturn, people would say, yeah, you just gotta keep your head above water. I'm like, no, you don't. You just have to keep one nostril above water because other people are going under. <laughs> All you got to do, your head, yep. forget it. Maybe you can't do it, but it's just one. <laughs> but, That's such you know, a good I, visual. I'm just, I'm sorry. I can just see Lori underwater. One I say this with love <laughs> because you know me. Some people mistake because I'm enthusiastic and positive that I don't have my feet grounded in reality and grounded in the data and grounded in, in the concerns that we all face. But I know this, I know that when we set our minds to it, what we can accomplish is remarkable. And when we gather the village around us, even stronger as one and only, we're just as weak as that. Gather the village and have honest meetings and make new plans and set a different course for your future. Well said, well said. Thank, thank you for that, Lori. All right, Joe, you are up, man. A couple opportunities right now, given the time that we have on our hands for dealers to really kind of, you know, next level their efforts. Yeah. So um, for me, when I think about where we're at right now, and I think about the the world as it's, as it's turning, and I think about what Lori just said, right? I think that we should slow down, and I think you should get very strategic in the way that you think. And I think that you should look at where you want to be 12 to 18 months from now, I think you should clearly identify the actions necessary at your dealership to get you there. And then I think in this moment, it's about once you clearly identify what to do, you need to take decisive action. What I mean by that for me is that, is that you need to, as a dealer, decide where you want to go and then make the decisive moves right now because I believe that they matter more now than what they will matter four, five, six, eight weeks from now now. And if I was going to advise somebody on what's the biggest opportunities right now, I think the biggest opportunities right now for a dealer on the variable op side, and probably on the fixed op side too, is to alert their marketplace that they are open and that they can service the needs of their community. That whether it is um, a rental car so that you can get back and forth to a doctor's appointment. It is getting an oil change done at your house so that you can drive three hours to visit your elderly grandma and make sure she's okay. Or it's you've got a lease that's due. Letting the community know that you're open and how easy it is to do business with you remotely during this time, to me, is the very biggest opportunity right now. If I'm in a marketplace and my competition says we're closed, then that's the moment I should be saying, we're not, we're open. I got a team of people that I'm paying that are like to keep as a part of my dealership family that are sitting at home right now, wanting to talk to you about what they can do to help you through this process. And I think that like we're doing ourselves and our marketplace in general a disservice if we just like shutter up shop and pack up our toys and go home. Like this is not the moment for that. And I think that Lori's right. I think the more that we as a vendor community come together, the more that we as a dealer community come together. I, dude, two things have inspired the shit out of me over the last few months. One, NADA convention this year was unbelievable. Yeah. To see people coming together. So yeah, and like, like going from competitors to co-opetition and finding ways to integrate and work together. That was inspiring to me. And secondly, the webinars I'm doing with dealers to see dealers that have traditionally been kind of secretive with what they're doing in the chat, sharing ideas back and forth and saying, Hey, I'm using this person to do videos on my responses. And I'm using that to me felt really inspiring around who we are as an automotive industry. And I think that right now the big opportunity for dealers 
it really is in the moment when everybody feels like, oh, what, we can't do anything to tell them exactly what you can do and to do it in a way that inspires people to engage with you because they have confidence that you have a plan and that you can execute that plan to help them out. And that for me um, is, is what I think the real opportunity is right now. I'm, to I'm totally with you on that, Joe. I think the biggest opportunity we have as a business is to inspire, to inspire our staff and to create that confidence in us as an employer, to inspire our community of customers that, you know, we're, we're here. We're not going anywhere. Things, yes, things are different. Okay, I get it. But, you know, we're here and we're going to continue to serve you and, and help in ways that maybe we haven't helped in the past, right? It's There's just a huge opportunity to inspire both that staff, the community you have in your staff and the community you have in your customers. Hey, guys, thank Speak you so much for taking the time uh, to jam with me today. But before we go, everybody out there that's listening and watching right now would love to connect with you and learn a little bit more about what you guys do. What is the best way to do so? Lori, I'll start with you. So my website is Foster Strategies Group. It's plural. We have more than one strategy. Um, or LinkedIn. Um, I've, I've been getting called LinkedIn Lori, so I'm actually using that as a hashtag every now and then. Or you can find me under Better Together. You'll find me right away if you put Better Together in Automotive. Awesome. Thanks, Lori. And Joe, for yourself, the best way to connect with you? Yeah, so there's really three or four ways. You can find me on LinkedIn like Lori. It's just Joe St. John. Um, uh, we've got a website, autofy.com. Come check us out. We've got a really powerful uh, suite of things that can help a dealer to actually do remote transactions. Um, and you can email me at joe at autofy.io or my cell phone's 918-706-0882. So feel free to hit me up via text, phone, or email. I'm always there. Hey, guys. Thanks again for taking the time to jam with me today. This was a lot of fun. Thank you, Jason. We really appreciate it. Thank you, Jason. And Podcast Nation. And Podcast Nation.